0: Hello, welcome to the Fuck Yeah Pod. At the time that we recorded this episode, the tragedy at Club Q had not happened yet. And we wanted to take an opportunity to acknowledge it and recognize, especially in light of how heavy this week can already feel for folks, Mm -hmm. that... Because you don't hear reference to it in the episode, it's not that we're ignoring it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I every it's so frustrating how often this happens. But just on Saturday, I was at Cruise, which is an LA uh, queer event that happens at LA's Eagle. And every time I go, it's once a month. Every time I go, I get real dressed up and all the stuff that I don't feel comfortable wearing on the daily. <laughs> And I go to a place where I am truly comfortable and it always overwhelms me at a certain moment where I just look around at the crowd and all of these beautiful, unique people um, that feel like they can be themselves in this space. And it really shook me hearing about Club Q and how that could have been our sacred space had we been in Colorado Springs. and. Just how people go there to be themselves, to feel comfortable and to express queer joy and that someone, many people in our country feel like that's something they want to take away, that they want to smash, is um, alarming, frustrating and uh, devastating.
0: Yeah, devastating is a great word to describe it. And I think that, you know, what we know in is true for so many queer people is that those spaces are our family spaces, right? Mm -hmm. And so for a lot of folks, they're not necessarily spending this week or the holidays in general with any um, of their family of origin. It really is like the time to gather with chosen family is so precious. And so I think especially at this time of year for this to have happened it hits home in a um really poignant way of just how devastating it really is and so i think we wanted to send love and support and acknowledgement to just really anyone who's been impacted by the tragedy and that is you know the broader queer community right that's us yeah I think that the ripples of it affect a lot of people. So before we kind of dive into this week's episode, we just wanted to take a moment um, to send love out, to send an acknowledgement, and really wish everybody in Colorado Springs just sending you big beams of rainbow light and hugs. And now we will get into this week's episode.
1: Lots of love, everyone. Your big queer family's thinking of you. Oh my
0: God, you role play? Yes,
1: I role play. That is my primary disassociation method. I'm really good at it. Hello and welcome to Fuck Yeah the podcast where we say fuck yeah to reclaiming holiday traditions. I'm your co-host Robin. I'm here with the ever abundant Sarah. How are you, Sarah? Hi. I'm good. It's been a it's been a week. Happy
0: Thanksgiving. I know. I know. I'm I'm sort of in shock
1: that we're here at this time of the year already. I feel like things sped up. Me too. Shocking. This year especially, it feels like this every year, but this year especially, I just uh, can't believe it's Thanksgiving already. I feel like Christmas in December is just going to be over in a flash, and hopefully we can regather some time in the new year. Me too. I...
0: I'm being kind of forced into a little bit of a slowdown. Mm. Ruby's been sick, and it was just a really busy fall and I'm actually really here for the like just chilling at home and having movie days and taking care of a sick kid. um but I went to Portland and had a really interesting trip. it was. Sort of all the things. And I'm, you know, always here for that, the complexities and the nuance of life. But it was, it was a lot. My first love's mom passed this year, and she was really a second mom to me. I met her when I was 21. And so she's been with me for half my life and just like a really important figure. Uh, who always really made me feel seen
1: let me just say real quick about second moms like so a second mom that appears in your life at that age is can be so valuable because they don't you can have the guidance and the mentorship without the baggage of your childhood you know yeah the tradition of aunties yeah. to like
0: these people who are outside of your nuclear family but that have a really significant role and it's um, you know, when I was trying to explain to work w- why I was taking some time off, it's like, I just, just, I used, um, mother-in-law because I was like, I don't know how to describe this right. to the, you know, the masses, but you know, her significance in, in my life, it was kind of the only terminology I could find for it without getting into all the like weird queer <laughs> ways that we <laughs> form familial relationships but she um she left me some things she was a real collector a tourist she loved things she had beautiful things in her home and so it was a little bit of a trek to go up and you know bring down these pretty big furniture pieces and drive them back but andrea came with me and it was actually our anniversary weekend and You know, that's not necessarily my preference to spend anniversaries lugging furniture and doing big, long drives and basically doing labor.
1: Like I felt like I put her to work, you know, but um, I will say, though, Andrea loves being put to work.
0: It is true. It's like her superpower. And I think that I wasn't anticipating the closure that was going to come with this trip. I was intentionally avoiding all the feelings I had around going up because it's like, I keep having this thing of like, I'm saying goodbye to Portland and now I'm saying goodbye to Portland again. And I'm saying, and that time in my life was so formative and significant. And so it was saying goodbye to Esther, which was as hard as I could have imagined it was going to be and saying goodbye to a time and a place. But I I don't know, I think having Andrea there with me in this new stage of our relationship that we're in where she's like, yeah, we're going to go spend our anniversary. Like, Yeah. Moving all a bunch of furniture that means a lot to you and then getting it into my house. And I was like, wow, I just felt Esther's presence so strongly. And so it was hard, but it's a fuck yeah, because I feel like I'm like, wow, I am really entering a new phase of my life yeah. where some of the sting of having to say goodbye to that time in my life is not as heavy as it once was. And I have this incredible partner, although that's not a sexy term. I don't really use it <laughs> with her a lot, but like how special it was to have her, you know, show up for that with me. And now to have these really you know beautiful pieces that were loved and chosen with such care and that really have Esther's energy in them in my home is just really sweet so yeah it's been it's been a lot like going into the holiday season but
1: i it's a very holiday kind of feel like so about family and comfort and I I think especially at this age that we're at going through these really difficult, it's like, you can feel the sweetness and the harshness of life all wrapped together. And that's a nice way of doing it actually. Cause I feel
0: like I have been like a joy seeker for a long time. And if something doesn't have, I mean, I I know you hard relate to this, (laughs) That like if it's not super positive, you know, and like gives me a big dopamine hit, sometimes I can be like, I don't want it. And so to, yeah be entering a stage where I'm like no that's actually not I want to have that to balance um life of course but like to hold the complexities and to find the beauty in them is uh I don't know mature
1: (laughs) I guess you're I guess I don't know are we mature but I love that you have really wonderful pieces of her in your house now to have like a gentle reminder of her influence on your life even today yeah so that's really wonderful yeah it's really nice glad you did that I'm glad you took the time off and you didn't let the anniversary stop you you know because some people would be like that's not allowed
0: no totally I mean also just like I think my old self would have not even got would have just been like oh that's too much of a hassle to go and move all of that you know I, I would have just been like no it's okay and I'm really glad that, like, even though it was hard work and logistically challenging, and the, our anniversary, and all those things, and I was like, "Nope, I'm doing it. It's important."
1: Yeah, and I, I think our, my, at least my old self would be like, "I can't be tied down by furniture, right? <laughs> <You know>? It's <laughs> like I can't organize a U-Haul. Like, yeah, what? I don't have that kind of money." <laughs> Thank you for sharing, Sarah. And I'm excited today because. Um, we're going to talk about the holidays, specifically Thanksgiving, but in kind of a reclaiming new kind of way that I I, I just, I've always loved the idea of Thanksgiving, but, um, you know, there's a lot of fucking problems with Thanksgiving. Yeah. Literally yesterday, Mars was telling me about what they were learning about Thanksgiving in school, and you know that's a fucking disaster. Oh, dear. So he told me the story that he learned, and then I was like, well, what they don't tell you is what happened after that. And we got into a big conversation about why white people are even in Los Angeles, you know? Yeah. And I think it's a really important conversation about, uh, to have with kids of, you know, it's not the pretty picture that they paint in school. There's a reason why they paint that picture in school. They want you to think certain things about our history and the American history, fucked up oh yeah in like every step of the fucking way every step it's fucked up but I love gathering with friends and having a huge meal you know this year I'm actually doing with family which is a gonna be a new thing
0: for me yeah, we're gonna have to report back on that. Yeah, it's so problematic and it's such an American way of approaching history too. When I was I was probably like 19, maybe 20 when I went to Germany for the first time and mm-hmm. they had a portion of the Berlin Wall still up and the whole like Berlin to me it felt like in such recognition of the problematic yes. aspects of their history and it was like in your face in this way where it finally clicked for me around like whoa this is such an american thing that we do all of this erasure erasure around the development of our culture society it's interesting that it wasn't really until adulthood that i learned like we're recording right now from unceded Tongva land. Like I did not know any of the native indigenous peoples that lived um, in the cities that I grew up in. The fact that they're still teaching with, this is like so fascinating to me that they are still teaching essentially a really similar curriculum to what we learned Mm And that we continue this tradition of like, you know what? We can't handle it. (laughs) Like there's nothing we can do to fix and repair the wrongs, the massive oppression that still plays out in our system. It's like, it's because nobody wants to address that all of the remnants of the mass genocide of indigenous peoples slavery of Africans continues to be reinforced in all of the institutions in our country.
1: And I think that's the crux of it, is that we are still massively benefiting from slavery and genocide. And if we admit that, then there has to be a recognition around that. So the powers that be lose power If there is a recognition of that. So we're still seeing this fairy tale Thanksgiving fed to our kids um, and completely leaving out uh, genocide. I don't think they want the kids to recognize that something wrong happened. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Best case, that was some bad shit that we shouldn't have done in the past that our ancestors did, but you can't be blamed for that now. But there is accountability that could be happening today for that shit but we would have to recognize that first you
0: know it's interesting this is going to take us onto a sidebar and then i want to bring in some of the like reasons that i think that we are drawn to things like thanksgiving and there's actually some like Feminist roots, Yay. like I really, I'm. So I want to get into that, but I've been doing a deep dive, and this is a real left turn here. So just stay with me. Um, but I've been doing a deep dive into psilocybin research and kind of just getting to know um, a lot about the the plant medicine. Um, but as part of that, I've been learning a little bit about the ways that law is being constructed around psychedelics Mm -hmm. and what I think is so fascinating here is that as the laws are like just slightly starting to change like in on a county basis in California you see this in Oregon so like this is really kind of a west coast thing right Um, there is a lot of integration and recognition of the plant as an indigenous medicine and that law is being written in a way that reparations are part of really the legalization yeah it's actually a very progr- you've got a lot of really progressive lawyers working on this and I'm like whoa is like psychedelic law going to be this weird back door where we start seeing some precedent that then potentially one day gets translated into like other areas of the penal code. And maybe there's like, I mean, I know that this is kind of a far off hope, but like I, it's a slight glimmer of hope in my mind that we might start seeing law changing in a way through this like like efforts around legalizing psychedelics because i think everyone is like seeing that the ways that cannabis was legalized is really problematic yeah and so they're trying to figure out new ways to do it and i'm just hopeful that we are going to start in these small pockets at least seeing some change in the way that our country and our culture handles are really complicated
1: and fucked up history for real and i just love that um well first of all any change is better than no change right yep when it, it, in this area and i love that it's that fungi might be bringing us back or or, or correcting you know that they would that that the um that the mushrooms would lead the way. Yeah. Yeah. is very psilocybin of them. So yeah. <laughs> good for you mushrooms. Please show us the way. Cause we are fucking lost.
0: Yeah. 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 I know it is that it kind of is that medicine working its magic, isn't it? Okay. So I wanted to share a little bit because I was also kind of, as we I was, realized last week when we were talking and like the way that food came up, I was like, Oh my gosh, we have so much to talk about as far as our relationship to food. But With it being Thanksgiving, I was also interested in investigating a little bit that my really complicated feelings around this holiday because I am equal parts. This is so fucked up that we are essentially celebrating mass genocide. And then the other part of me is like, when do I get two days off of work, right? To literally cook food, eat food, and enjoy time with my people. Yes. So it's like, it's so messed up because I've I've really gone back and forth around like, don't celebrate Thanksgiving at all. And like, but I feel so like in my spirit, I feel so called to it because I'm such a lover of food. I love to cook. I love feasting and cooking with people. And yes. so I was like, okay. I know that the harvest festivals, obviously, like, Thanksgiving was not the first harvest festival. And I knew a little bit about the connection of harvest and full moons. I did a little bit of research into this, um, and I came across an article by Patty English.
1: First of all, I had an idea that it was tied to the moon. I thought it was just around, like, oh, that's when all the food's ready, so let's gather it up together and have a feast before winter sets in
0: yeah okay so i'm gonna you're gonna be excited to learn about this but uh just quickly patty english is a descendant of mohawk nation and trained in anthropology and she has researched and reported on indigenous peoples for over four decades so thank you so much for all this deep dive research that you've done because i've only read your fucking article (laughs) but okay so here's what i learned One thing I did not know, and I'm just acknowledging my ignorance here, is that actually all of the migration of the indigenous peoples across the world happened approximately 12,000 to 48,000 years ago from predominantly Asia. Right. So that was news to me. Um, what I did know is that the Harvest Moon Festival is a Chinese tradition, but apparently uh, harvest festivals were common throughout Asia. And while we, the in, you know, indigenous peoples across the world didn't necessarily adopt all of the Asian traditions, the harvest festivals did come with them. So Every full moon of the year, people would gather, but there were two really key times and giving thanks and gratitude is really baked into all the earth-based religions and indigenous culture. But uh, the harvest festivals in particular, which happened throughout the fall, August, September, October, and then again, after winter were a celebration really of life because the harv- the harvests in the early to mid-fall was when they would gather all the crops that would help them live through the winter. So they would be coming together and giving thanks to the earth, mm. and moon worship was a big part of this. Because harvest all happened with the cycles of the moon, like the early agricultural traditions had to follow the moon and harvest would always happen at a full moon because there was light in the sky and you could work mm. into the late hours.
1: Oh, is that the harvest moon? <laughs> yes. So the the fall? I have well, no idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So... <laughs> When is the harvest moon? Is that in the fall?
0: Uh so September is the harvest moon? Uh, Of course. Yeah. Okay, that makes
1: obvious sense.
0: Well, yeah, we are really we are really disconnected from so disconnected. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but so the the celebrations, the feasts that would happen in the fall were giving gratitude for the harvest. And then there would be another gratitude feast in the early spring to celebrate surviving winter congratulations (laughs) which like yeah have a fucking party right so but the thing that's interesting about like the moon worship that was built into this too is that the deities associated with the moon were some of the only feminine deities Mm. so along with harvest there's this kind of feminine uh root here that feminine energy is attributed to the moon the idea of like harvesting bounty and like eating all of these fruits is also just has a feminine nature to it yeah and so as i was reading and thinking about this i'm like yes like when i think of my thanksgiving traditions There's also such a femininity to, I mean, there's all the like problematic, like picked in family dynamics, but it's all the women who are cooking, right. And like feeding the family and really at the heart of the traditions and this was really the only time of year where people gave where you know you have the moon festival still in China where that you you share the moon cakes with loved mm. ones, and this idea of moon worship is now something that I'm like, "Oh, how can I bring this into our you know gratitude feast, our thanksgiving traditions?"
1: I love that. I wonder if there's any culture that doesn't see the moon as feminine. It's a good question. I don't, I think it's fairly. Because I've never heard of it as like a yeah. masculine yeah. thing. Well, and the moon
0: controls the tides. And I think that, you know, there's 13 moon cycles a year. And typically women have 13 menstrual cycles a year. So there's just this really strong link yeah, between like the womb feminine temperament and energy and yeah.
1: I learned something from a children's book about the moon that the moon stabilizes the earth's wobbling. Mm -hmm. So if the moon wasn't there, we would wobble more. So all of our seasons would be much more extreme Mm -hmm. and that the earth might even like beat because the earth is actually slowly turning on its axis the the polars the poles are changing so that that would change more too and so I, I feel like um, feminine e- energy also is a kind of to me in my mind a calming stabilizing energy mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm.
0: well and that's so interesting too when you think about we were more of an agricultural society this kind of instinctual knowing that the moon and the earth, were in this symbi- symbiotic relationship, you know, and now it's like we've really lost connection to, I mean, unless you are practicing some sort of moon worship right. or really like working with the energies of the new moon, the waxing and waning moon, like you aren't really
1: paying much attention to it. It's affecting us every day. It makes us more stable. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really interested in how we could maybe incorporate this knowledge and uh, or this tradition, this lost tradition of moon worship around the harvest and giving thanks, literally. I do like the name Thanksgiving, but I'm wondering if we could give like a different word to it that would help the people that we're gathering with and ourselves to reframe this holiday in more of a deeply traditional worship of of the divine feminine, worship of the moon, of abundance and gratitude, family, literal and chosen. Well, it's
0: interesting Like you were talking about the kids a minute ago, and I think that they kind of have a natural instinct towards gratitude Mm -hmm. in general. But like, I know Ruby for sure, like often pushes for like last year, I think she put little pieces of paper at everyone, like totally unprompted put little pieces of paper at everyone's uh, plate and then led everyone (laughs) in like writing a thing that they were grateful for. And then we had to pass them around and read somebody else's. She's my
1: favorite little boss. (laughs) (laughs) So
0: sweet. So sweet. And a lot of families have this of some sort of tradition of kind of taking stock of like, what are we thankful for this year? Like, what do we want to carry forward into the year to come? What do we want to like leave behind, and I think that that's a way of finding some sort of tradition. In that vein, also has a lot of moon energy in it because the yeah. the thing of the moon is that everything is constantly shifting and changing and evolving, and the seasonality. And so I don't know. I think that uh, really being intentional. Of whether you celebrate with friends whether you really choose not to celebrate because of how problematic the holiday right. is but finding That's yeah, totally valid. Yeah, like finding something that is in the spirit of harvest of like we all have things to be grateful for in an intentional way. And I think that most of us are like weeding through the family the fucked up family dynamics hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of creates a block around
1: doing those sorts of rituals. Yes. I appreciate this conversation so much because I am going back to the family. Are you traveling for Thanksgiving? I'm traveling to the west side. Okay. <laughs> you know how that is. If you're in L.A. and you live east, not on the west side, <laughs> going to the west Side's a fucking journey. It's a road trip so I do feel like I'm going on a road trip. We are not going to spend the night there though but um, we're going to the Palisades to my uncle's house.
0: Do you usually spend Thanksgiving with your family? Because I thought I've always known you to do more of a Friendsgiving. No.
1: I've done Friendsgiving for at least a decade. Well. This this year things are a little different. <laughs> Because things have happened, and I, uh, my uncle invites me every year, and I just decided, you know what, I'm going to take a break from the Friendsgiving this year, and... Try to do the family thing.
0: Godspeed, Robin. Godspeed.
1: <laughs> Thank you. Well, here's here's my tactic, and I will let you all know how it goes. <laughs> but when I get into very uncomfortable situations, whether it's going to be like at work or it's going to be with family, I know it's going to be awkward. I try to, per- I, and I think this is a disassociation method. <laughs> so I don't know how good of advice this is, but I try to have fun with disassociation. It's good to know your coping skills. (laughs) Yeah, I have fun with my coping skills. So I try to go in and um, pretend that I'm in a sitcom. Ooh. And I try to hear the laugh track or I try to, or a dark comedy. Oh my
0: God. You role play. (laughs) Yes,
1: I role play. That is my primary disassociation method. I'm really good at it. So I will like pretend to hear laugh tracks in my head when somebody says something fucked up and awkward, you know, of like, Trump. you know I so I'm just gonna try to take myself it. out of it yeah <laughs> I'm gonna try to see it as an audience would see it I, I think that is disassociation oh it's
0: so messed up and so good <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean I have fun with my like psychological issues you that know? reminds me of a, a game that uh an old girlfriend and I used to play which was guess who's wearing a butt plug <laughs>
1: It's got to be somebody here.
0: Whenever we were in like a a situation that was maybe an uncomfortable family situation or like if you're at church or, (laughs) uh, you know, just trying to like lighten the mood. You just either to yourself or to your, you know, partner in crime. (laughs) Who here
1: do you think is
0: wearing a butt plug right now? (laughs) You know, I love that so much. I really
1: I'm going to write that one down in case things get real hairy. Thanksgiving. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just going to try to be, but you know what it ultimately is? It's being an observer, being curious, Mm -hmm. um, and not getting too wrapped up in it. So for example, I know it's
0: also self-care.
1: It is also self-care. You're right. Yeah. Because, um, I am going to see my uncle who I've not seen since my mother's memorial who, who's a Trump supporter and he has a sweetness to him as a person, but he thinks it's like his main source of humor is, um, goading liberals, you know, you know, I've got a little bit of that in my family too. Yeah. It's like a fun sport for them. And so, yeah, it's his main way of interacting with me. And he loves me. He thinks, he, I'm like his favorite one in the family, and I have no idea why.
0: Well, isn't that the thing that's so interesting about family, that you can actually have this really yes. deep love and also a little bit of a fundamental dislike? Yeah, a core kind of dislike.
1: I do not think you are ethical. <laughs> anyway, so he's going to try some things in order to interact with me. I don't know that he knows how to interact with me differently. So I'm going to have to try to do some acrobatics around not engaging with that, but maybe trying to see what he's at his core trying to do, that he's trying to interact with Mm -hmm. me. So I think I'm going to really just try to be conscious, particularly with him, that he's trying to interact. We have completely different worldviews, and I'm just going to try to friendly interact with him as well. I will not be baited is my goal. Yeah.
0: I wonder, I know you've done a lot of work around um, some pushback around your dad's misogyny. Do you think any of, and like calling it out and yeah. being more direct about um, when things come up that you think are problematic? I mean, and I'm not suggest maybe your uncle isn't problematic, but do you feel like there's anything that you've learned from that practice with your dad that you can apply in this situation? Well, so... Um, And first of all, my uncle is very problematic. But um, I mean, yeah, I don't assume he's a misogynist, but you
1: know, (laughs) it was a couple of years ago where I decided, you know what, every time my dad says something misogynistic, I'm going to not let it go. I'm not going to let it go. And I did that for an entire trip when he was visiting for like three or four days. And it was terrible. It was awful because it was, and he started doing that thing where I felt like he was he was seeing what a reaction it got out of me. So he started doing it more than usual because it was like that that goading that my uncle will do, where it's like almost like he was enjoying it, like it was a game. What I noticed from that is that it made no improvement. It frustrated me immensely. It made me see more issues rather than dealing with any of the issues. And basically I was like, you know, from him and I, to work this out, we would have to do a lot of therapy. He would have to fundamentally change his entire worldview that he's had for 70-something years. And it's just not... It's, I, it felt hopeless in that moment. And in sense, you know, egregious things I'll talk about, but I cannot allow myself to get so emotionally wrapped up in the argument. I just can't do it. It's not healthy for me. It's not self-care. I think
0: this is, yeah, yeah. This is also where like, I think allyship is really essential. And in some situations, you have to pull yourself, extract yourself from the dynamic to take care of yourself. And really, like you're saying, we could go into years of therapy or, you know, having somebody who is the privilege holder in that situation. Step in, you know, like I mean, and that would have to, in your case, I think would require like Matt, you know, you would know, be doing like a master plan around. Okay, I will. I'm going to confront this, and then here's how you are going to, you know, step in and reinforce. Because I think that it is really hard for the person who is not the privilege holder in those situ. It's exhausting. Yeah. But sometimes it's also just not as effective in terms of uh, getting a point across or affecting change because it doesn't fundamentally change the power dynamic.
1: It doesn't change the power dynamic. I am not going to change their mind. The more I express my point of view, the less I feel seen, the less I feel heard. They are not going good change. for you for trying. I tried you know the relationship with my dad, On a lot of levels, it's important to me, of course, you know, but I realized that that's not actually going to improve the relationship or get me understood. Yeah. And also, there's like, I think you get to a certain point as an adult where you're like, not everybody's going to see me. In fact, very few people will. Hmm. And those are the gems, you Mm -hmm. know, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, you have to hold on to your gems that will see you. And I just, I have. I'm like holding on by my fingernails, like with my mental health right now, I cannot bring on, I can't take on their shit. It's not my responsibility. I would love to be the justice warrior that goes to Thanksgiving and like changes everybody's mind, but that's just as likely as me changing their mind on Facebook. Right. It feels like Facebook arguments where you're like, we are just screaming into the void, both of us, both sides. So I'm not going to participate in that way, but I love this idea that you have where I should have a plan with Max, where if I start getting triggered, if I start getting involved, I should ask him to like, please pay attention and diffuse, just try to diffuse and get me out of it. Cause I don't want, that's not, I want to have a good time. There's going to be delicious food. I'm going to be in a gigantic house with, there's also some like my uncle's kids are in their twenties and they're, um, turning out to be uh interesting people and they are kind of like my comrades a little bit when we're there, they're, you know, I'll probably sneak off to smoke weed and, and, and bitch about the older folks, you know, I'm still a little bit, I'm like on the bridge between the old folks and the young ones.
0: You know, that is, tr- that's like, that is the same kind of <laughs> approach of like find where the rays of light shine, crack mm-hmm. through, you know, like I, feel like oftentimes the younger people in a family are where you can find some allyship and some common mm-hmm. ground. The last time that we went with my larger family for Thanksgiving, uh, meaning back to Texas, was 2016. Yeah.
1: Oh. Uh. Days after Trump was elected. Oh my God, that's trauma. That's just such a trauma time in general. Like, but then to be with your Texas family. It was
0: my mom was like, "We have to cancel the trip," and I'm like, "No, we can do like we can do this. We have to find you know the common ground." And it ended up being so g- wonderful that we did because my uncle Andy died um, <sighs> just about a later oh and so i'm so grateful that we went and also we were given a lot of grace like i am pretty sure that my uncle tony or his wife my aunt robin prepped i mean they always do this huge thanksgiving feast which was not how i grew up because we always lived separate from right the family so we were like we had the misfit thanksgiving where like when my parents were at yale they would invite all the like wayward. Yeah. (laughs) students who didn't have somewhere to go. And sometimes my grandmother and my uncle Andy would come up, but we had never participated in one of these really big Texas Thanksgivings. Mm. And my uncle takes the fryers out and he like fries three turkeys. Wow. It was, it was like a whole weekend of feasting. They usually have like 50 people. Wow. That's huge. (laughs) Yeah. No, it's, it's massive. And so it was like, we have to experience this at some point, right? And um, Ruby was little, she was like three or something. And it was so nice to be there. And I am pretty sure that they told people like, please don't talk about Trump.
1: How considerate? I mean, what, especially at that time, everybody I'm sure over there was itching.
0: Yeah. You know, I mean, it's it's definitely a moment to gloat. And like, I think that in my In my 20s, I was a little avoidant of some of my Texas family because of being, you know, super queer and I'm way less radical than I once was. And, you know, that experience for me showed me like, oh, wow, you know, the things that bind us together are sometimes more powerful than the things, the differentiating factors and I know that that's not true that's not how everyone feels about their family but in that like I felt very I was very grateful that we were all able to appreciate the time with each other and not make it about our political differences mm-hmm. I just, I just think of that as like, we were given a lot of grace.
1: And I feel like it's a real moment, especially for Texans to be like anti-capitalist. I've been thinking a lot lately about how American white culture is so, it's almost like not a culture. It is completely founded on um, the buying and selling of things, marketing things like the white American culture has more to do with pop culture than than like historical traditions. Yeah. There's like a a way that the capitalist system tries to separate us so that, you know, you have this like more nuclear workhorse kind of family. And it really pushes productivity and all that individuality and self-reliance that crushes us all the time. It's like it's it's great that they kind of we're able to bring you in and have that core humanity, rather than all this yeah. shit that kind of tears us apart. Which is exactly what I, you know the you know Trumpism, at least from our point of view, is just ripping us apart. Yes, you know that's the point of it.
0: Yeah, well, and I'm so glad. Like, I'm glad that you wove the capitalism into this because when thinking about the traditions of the harvest festival. Like, Mm -hmm. God, how sad is this that essentially Thanksgiving in in America now functions as the kickoff of Black Friday? Yeah. And shop, 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 shop. Yeah. And just like consumer culture rather than being really still. Very centered, and I I know that there are going to be people that are listening that are like, no, no, for my family, like we are still really rooted in the seasonality of it and the the food and the traditions, and but that just wasn't that's like I don't think that that's a universal experience. I think a lot of people yeah gear their holiday celebration around like and now how do we get to the stores tomorrow Mm -hmm. or in fact. Black Friday this year has kicked off starting November 1st. Like, I don't know if you've seen it everywhere online, but it's just like, we're just fed with this consumerism that makes it actually quite hard to just settle into what fall really is, which is like shorter days, get cozy, hunker down, slow things down. And there's just this constant race to like, Sell more, buy more. And that is kind of what Thanksgiving now symbolizes. It's like super depressing, late stage capitalist (laughs) manipulation of what has been, you know, traditions that have been going for 50,000 years, you know?
1: Yeah. Yes. Yes. And that the harvest is about sharing the abundance. Yeah. And it's become about selling. The abundance, mm-hmm. the unnecessary abundance, and I also don't want to negate anyone who has um, a a short budget. I know, like my mom would shop on Black Friday as a single mom yes, in absolutely. order to be able to get us more. Total respect to all of that, but it's also like, what are we doing? I feel like, are we already post apocalyptic? Sometimes. I I mean, like, yeah, are we there?
0: Is, I don't think that that's the intention of Black Friday, though. It's not to like give the single moms oh, access yeah, to like 100%. the wonderful gift they're going to give each of their kids. It's like, how can we sell people a whole bunch of shit they don't need? Because it's like 50% up to 80% off.
1: <laughs> well, and the Black Friday um, points to that. It's, it's not about like, hey, Get it, well, you know, this is your opportunity to get things at a discount because we care about people and everybody should be able to have the things or whatever. It's about let's get these businesses into the black because yeah. this is yeah. our biggest selling time of year. They The name of it is about them, not about us, you know. Yeah. Yeah, something that we had wanted to talk about,
0: which is each of our relationship with food and like our inherited food systems because it was really interesting and they really appreciated your share last week around food and it does not surprise me that that is your experience mm-hmm. with food and when you said, you know, like I I'm realizing that my body feels hungry a lot of the time that made me think of a few different things which is one that we have really We're not well-trained to be checking in with our bodies. Yes. We're trained to not check in. Yes. We have really shut down our mind-body connection and have gotten so cerebral in terms of just like as a culture, we can think our way through everything. And in fact, when you get better at shifting your attention down into your body your body has so much to tell you about, you know, what kinds of decisions you should make, how you should spend your days, how you feel about yourself and the people in your life and all these things. And one of the ways that I think I was trained as a young person in shutting down my relationship to my body is that my family did a lot of overeating. Mm. And I remember times of being so full as a kid that I was ill. Mm. And even sometimes of like throwing up after, and I understand that this is really uh, a difficult topic for some people and um, not having had an eating disorder, I might not be speaking about this in a sensitive way, but being so full that like I actually had to expel Yeah food out of my system, but that there was this mindless eating that happened as I think a way kind of of filling some emotional voids. Right. Like I think that that's how my family has approached the like shutting down of the body is a lot of food consumption. And I was not taught about food as Sustenance mm. as like energy giving, as a way to like have your body help you do more things. Mm-hmm. It was very much this like overconsumption of food paired with really negative self talk yeah. yeah. around bodies and like being fat, and like that, everyone in my family at a certain age. Got fat and they longed for these days of being skinny. Yeah. And so, even though a lot of what was being modeled for me was overeating, that there was not really a lens put onto wait, this thing that I don't like about myself is perhaps to a certain degree within my control and it is my mindless eating mm-hmm. that is contributing to me not feeling good in my body and it's just i mean
1: it's just really complicated right well in the the what you're calling mindless eating is really a coping skill right yes of course but it's also and oh, this is so interesting because i don't think what you're talking about it it what you're talking about is a common experience but i have that I've heard other people talk about, but I've never heard it framed in that way. Like it feels, I can see why you connected so much to what I was talking about before, because it is this thing that keeps folding in on itself, keeps folding Mm -hmm. in where you're like, thinness is uh, attributed to my self-worth. I eat to cope with emotional vulnerabilities, but I also treat myself poorly through eating. It's not, I'm not doing it for self care, but then I do it almost antithetical to self care. I can use it to abuse myself and then further hate myself for not looking the way that I think I should look. And then it just keeps, it's like, folding folding and you don't it's hard to climb out of that and I felt the same way with the Mm anti-eating you know you just keep folding a kind of devaluation false valuation over and over again and you get lost in it
0: well and it has only been really in recent years that I've come to the realization the self-realization of like it is okay for food to be comfort yes like that, it, that is not all bad turning to food just as some people turn to shopping or some people turn to running like we all have a need for mechanisms and tools in our life that make us feel comforted or empowered or whatever right and food is in fact incredibly comforting and we live in a society and a time where we have like abundant access to food. And so why not use it as a comfort tool when we need it? Yeah. But I think that there's this missing piece, at least in what played out in the modeling in my family is like never kind of naming what the core need was Mm -hmm. or core issues in life. And so then over relying on this food comfort mechanism, right, Right. (laughs) without any self-awareness around it, like there are absolutely times that I will sit down with a glass of wine and, you know, candy or cookies or whatever and be like, I am intentionally (laughs) over consuming this sugar right now. Because it is making me feel soothed. Yeah. For so long, I problematized any kind of that behavior so that I wasn't able to ever do it in a way that was like, that I had permission. Yeah. You can never fully enjoy it. Yes. And I feel like, what is this world where we actually have a relationship to food that is a balanced relationship of a, a, a mutual appreciation, right? Like this food is giving me life. I'm taking it into my body in this really intentional way and giving gratitude and appreciation that I have it in abundance and these kinds of things. Yeah. And so then where I'm able to make really different food choices based on like what my body's needs are in that moment yeah and one of those needs could be comfort I also like I do cleanses now semi-regularly and I've come to a place of like actually really sometimes liking that cleanse feeling of like I feel hungry Mm -hmm. and there is something that I enjoy a little bit about Not maybe the hunger, but the feeling of like I'm giving my body a little bit of a break. Yeah. To kind of do some of the other deep healing around like where not all of my energy is going to digestion. So all the other systems get to like recoup a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And I think sleep kind of
1: functions in that way too. Right. And it's always about balance. I mean, what's more comforting on a base? level than being fed being cozy yeah, or warm or housed yeah um and being able to sleep yes you know and all of these things we get so disconnected from oh my it. gosh as you say that i'm like it's so simple it's basic bitch shit <laughs> like epiphanies are basic ideas that we have yeah. gotten so removed from so removed like the idea that i realized recently as a 43 year old person that food is nutritious yeah for my body yeah. and self-care literally mm-hmm. self-care and that's it's like the most basic self-care that I could possibly do and I don't give that to myself so it's, I don't know like we got to get the fundamentals in order I do think it's a lot about our culture and everything like talking about this idea of like the lunar festivals, the harvest and everything as a group coming together, growing things, seeing where your food comes Mm -hmm. from, seeing the people make it, sharing it with everybody, feeding ourselves literally nutrition and, and, and health into our bodies as a group. Is so powerful, and we are so lost from that because food means so many different things to us. Your weight can have to do with your status in society. Mm-hmm. Can you afford to be thin?
0: Yeah. We've gotten so divorced from where our food comes from, and with like a capitalist system where you have to be hyper productive. Yeah. Essentially, food is not functioning as necessarily core like it is energy giving of course right but like we've got all kinds of caffeine and like Mm -hmm. caffeine supplements to keep us going so then we're like well what's the fastest quickest cheapest easiest whatever thing that we can put into our body and like of course there's a time and a place for that but like also where is the nutritious just like simple food yeah. that just make us feel so comforted and I think back on going back to the holidays like feasting in the context of like the food system in my family yeah I think had a lot of shame attached to it for me I I'm not going to speak for anybody else right but it's also the time when everyone in the family is coming together and if you're from a southern family you know like we love to talk shit about like my family is very self-deprecating. So for the most part, I think I was not raised in a family that was super shit talking about other people. But so you've got like this beautiful feast that we're coming together that either my great grandmother, my grandmother or my mom made, or eventually, you know, I contributed to, and then you've got all this like deep shame, but trained habits around
1: overeating right and then and so it becomes real murky well and I would say like the self-deprecating is insidious because it um it's not like oh that person if somebody's you know deprecating towards you then you're saying oh they have a bad opinion of me if they're doing it to yourself like especially a matriarch in your family who you identify with like oh my mom thinks that this is bad for her it must be bad for me as well you know it's like oh she's worried about the size of her butt yeah I should be worried about the size of my butt I'm gonna eat all this food and feel bad about it
0: yeah yeah and so you've got a gratitude meal a harvest meal in the context of like a lot of like deep shame and then all of a sudden, you know, it's like, I think when I got a little bit older, I was like, oh, I don't really want to spend things like I friends giving mm-hmm. while it wasn't something that I did every year. Like it was something that felt like it at least was separate yeah. from that like family system yeah. Um, and really life giving. It's like, oh, well, actually in naming it and thinking about it, I can be really intentional about shifting this dynamic. And I actually think that we have in recent years, like I don't, I mean, my Thanksgivings now are mostly like my mom, Ruby, um, now Andrea, we might have our neighbors as part of it this year. So it's not fraught by any means aside from, you know, the whole mass genocide component. (laughs) Oh yeah, except
1: for that. Um, I love that Thanksgiving for you though. It's such. It is a cozy Thanksgiving. Yeah, yeah. It it is very cozy. What are you making this year?
0: Well, here's the thing I discovered: is that you can order some things,
1: mm-hmm. and you don't have to make the
0: entire meal. So, I ordered all of the sides from Village Bakery, except for the things that people love to make. Mm -hmm. and Ruby into uh, she she's a staunch vegetarian these days Mm -hmm. she's really into pot pies so I'm going to make little individual I'm going to make the tart dough from scratch like I'm going to do one really good dish but do it with a lot of care Yes, and everybody can bring their favorite dish but I got all the sides
1: ordered supporting small business. Yes. Putting your intention and love into something really special. I think you're doing it right. Yep. And it doesn't feel like anyone's martyring themselves. Yes. It shouldn't be stressful. It should, even if you're cooking, it can be very like a lovely experience. So, We've gotten, again, hot and heavy on this shit. I know. We are apparently not
0: a light-hearted podcast.
1: Yeah. I feel like you could give us, and please, listeners, challenge us. Give us any subject. We will end up talking about the divine feminine. We will end up talking about capitalism, white supremacy, and the patriarchy. Yeah. And about our childhoods. Thank you. That's what we came here for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I really welcome some super vapid
0: topics. Let's uh, let's <laughs> send them our way. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get
1: deep. We will cry by the end.
0: Well, as usual, we covered a lot today. We covered a lot of ground. We take
1: it where it leads us.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's, uh, you know, anyone who's actually listening on Thanksgiving. We just, you know, maybe gave you something to disassociate with, to listen to our baggage. Yeah. <laughs> I hope our baggage is your baggage. And not have to focus on yes. yours. <laughs> but no, really, truly, I am so grateful to be doing this with you, to have people who are listening mm-hmm. and going on this journey with us. And I hope wherever this episode finds you, that you are either celebrating gratitude with ones that you loved, finding a moment of just reflecting on gratitude in your life, maybe enjoying
1: some days off. Yes, or lunar moon harvest or Happy Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving I doing guess. not Thanksgiving. We value it all. Yes. Happy disassociating with your family. I hope you make it fun. Yeah. Or if you're gonna be alone, that you also do self care. Let's see. Thanksgiving is self care. We have a few days off. I hope you're not working Black Friday.
0: <laughs> yeah. Find
1: find the moments, the opportunities
0: for self care. We're gonna have to do a whole episode on self care, by the way. Because what the fuck is it? Is it
1: everything? Is it? I don't know. I want. I would like my life to be yeah. 100% self-care at this point. I feel like I kind of need it, <laughs> top to bottom.
0: <laughs> okay, let me know how that goes. Good luck with that. You can find us on uh, Instagram or TikTok at fuckyapod. You can email us at fyapod at gmail.com. So next week we have a pretty big guest that we're very excited to share with you. So definitely I'm excited. Tune in and uh, yeah, until next time. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah with gratitude. Bye. (laughs)
1: Knocking them out of the park.
0: Fuck Yeah Podcast is produced and hosted by me, Sarah tom Tomchessen, and Robin Jennings. Theme music is produced and performed by She, Her, Sir. You can find out more about what we're up to at fuckyapod.com or reach out directly at fyapod at gmail.com. If you're enjoying the pod, give us a hand, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you listen, and make sure to share it with a few friends. Thanks so much for tuning in.